Well, David says in Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so it is with great joy to announce this morning that LifeBridge will gather for corporate worship beginning Sunday, June 14th, which is next Sunday. And, uh, and while the worship service will certainly feel a little different, even look a little different due to the social distancing, man, we are just excited to offer the opportunity to worship in person again at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. You know, it's been almost three months. In spec- this is our 12th Sunday that we have not gathered in person. And so after 12 weeks now of no in-person gatherings, I... I'm excited to uh, gather once again, see, see our church family face-to-face, and worship together as a LifeBridge family. And while I am certainly thankful for uh, technology that allows us to uh, face, face, do this live stream, and this live stream allows us to proclaim God's Word, uh, listen, there's nothing like gathering together with other believers for corporate worship. In fact, truly... Uh, as I thought about the opportunity that we get to come back together again, my, my heart just is full and it echoes the sentiment of Psalm 84 verse 10 where it says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And while it is true, certainly true, that we are still the church when we are scattered all over this Northland part of Kansas City, but like family, we still long to be together. In fact, we're called to gather. And right now, we even feel the need to gather because we were redeemed to gather. You know, the gathering of the church is essential for a local congregation to be what it's called to be and to fulfill its mission. And so in light of our regathering next Sunday as a church, I want to take this morning to talk about the glory in gathering. And here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want us to kind of leave this morning with. And this is the big idea that I want us to all take away. And that is, as redeemed Christ followers, we are gathered by the grace of God to be a gathering for the glory of God. In other words, we gather to glorify God. We gather because we are one body, drawn together by the grace of God to be a people of God who live for God. And when we gather, we testify to God's greatness and to God's goodness. We celebrate His grace at work in our lives. We do not ultimately come together for Sunday worship simply to experience an emotional response that brings joy to us as consumers, although that certainly does happen. We, there is joy that comes about from gathering with God's people on the Lord's day. But we gather ultimately because God has united us together in His Son, Jesus Christ. We gather because the church should illustrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, we gather simply because of God. 
in what He has done in our lives. We gather for Him, not ourselves. As the redeemed, we are gathered by the grace of God to be a gathering for the glory of God. Now, what does all that mean? And how does that apply for our church at LifeBridge? Well, I want to answer that question here and simply put this way. A church is never less than a gathering. A called out assembly of believers in Jesus Christ. You see, gathering together as a church isn't merely a nice thing we do. It's part of what a church is. Now again, I'm thankful for the opportunity to live stream, and yet it's not the church. In fact, the term online church is somewhat of an oxymoron. Because online church does not fit the biblical definition of a church. Now, online church certainly allows us to do some things as a church. But it does not allow us to do everything as a church. And perhaps in his mysterious providence, one of God's purposes for uh, this temporary disruption in our own gatherings as a result of the coronavirus is to help us as a family at LifeBridge to treasure the reality that a church is a gathering. You see, at its core, a local church is a called-out assembly of believers in Jesus Christ. And so if a church never gathers, then it's no church at all. And we easily take this truth for granted. But meeting together isn't just something churches do. Listen, meeting together is in part what a church is. Here's how Everett Ferguson puts it, and I quote, In assembly, the church becomes conscious of itself, confesses itself to be a distinct entity, shows itself to be what it is, a community gathered by the grace of God, dependent on Him and honoring Him. The assembly allows the church to emerge in its true nature. In other words, God has saved us as individuals to be a corporate assembly that does what? Gathers together. And we see this all throughout the Bible. Beginning in the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament. You go to the Old Testament and there you picture, in your own mind, picture the nation of Israel. And here the people of God are rescued from their bondage in Egypt. And they are gathered together at Mount Sinai to now hear God's law presented to them. Thank the Ten Commandments. And done so by their leader, Moses. Moses actually later referred to that seminal moment at Mount Sinai in which they heard the Ten Commandments as the, quote, day of assembly in Deuteronomy chapter 9-10. In their history, at other key junctures, the nation of Israel, God's people, similarly gathered as an, an assembly before the Lord. In fact, that word assembly, it's a key concept in the Bible. The word for assembly in the Greek translation of the Old Testament is ekklesia. 
It's the same word the New Testament writers use to refer to the local church. And so ecclesia or assembly is simply the term for a gathering, not just any gathering in the Bible, a gathering of God's redeemed people. And when applied to the church, it carries the Old Testament connotations of standing together as one group of people, as one body, before God. Jesus uses the term, the same term, assembly, ecclesia, for the first time in the New Testament. When he says to Peter those famous words in Matthew sixteen eighteen, on this rock I will build my and you know it, church. In other words, Jesus is saying on this rock, I will build my assembly of my people that I will purchase with my own blood and call out of this world to gather together in worship to me and in love to one another. And so naturally, this is now what the New Testament calls believers in Christ. The ecclesia, the assembly, the church In the very use of that term, it implies and assumes a coming out and then a coming together. A coming out of what? Well, a coming out of our sin. A coming out of our lostness. A coming out of darkness into light. A coming out of Satan's family into God's family. And how? By the grace of God. So this word assembly assumes a coming out by the grace of God, but also then a coming together for the glory of God. And we see this all through the book of Acts and even into the rest of the New Testament. In Acts chapter 5, verse 12, when the believers in Jerusalem met all together in Solomon's portico. And in Acts 20, verse 7, when it says on the first day of the week, the disciples assembled to break bread. We see that the churches regularly gathered together. In 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, when it says, For in the first place, when you come together as a church. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 23, it says, So if the whole church comes together. And so I hope you're beginning to see the picture. And the picture is this, that the events following Jesus' resurrection confirm the priority the New Testament gives to gathering together in corporate worship. The book of Acts and the epistles that much of which Paul wrote to these churches further confirm this priority, this mandate of gathering together. It's clear that believers in the New Testament came to understand that gathering together as assemblies, listen, was essential to being a local church. Yes, we understand a church is much more than a gathering, of course. But it's never less than a gathering. As a church, we gather on Sunday as a witness, as a witness to the testimony of God's grace at work in our lives, as a witness to the glory of God, as a witness to the goodness of God. And then we scatter during the week as his witnesses to a lost world. And then what do we do? The Lord's day comes and we now gather again for the same reason, as a witness 
And then we scatter. Come Monday through Saturday. And we scatter as his witnesses. To proclaim the hope of the gospel. And so there is this cycle for the church in which we gather and then we scatter. We gather and then we scatter. And what takes place in the gathered assembly, listen, is a spiritual reality which occurs in no other context. Now, it seems rather clear that Jesus expects us to gather together each Lord's Day. And I just want to share with you here, here are four reasons why we are now looking forward to next Sunday when we get to regather as a church family at LifeBridge. And the first of which is this, number one, we gather to experience God's presence. Do you realize Jesus Christ is present in a unique way only in the context of the gathered church? Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. In other words, Christ, who, who we understand is always present with all believers by virtue of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but is present in a unique way only in the context of when the church gathers together. And so when we gather with one another in worship on the Lord's day, we are doing less, less, nothing less than coming together to meet with Christ and experience his presence in a unique way which does not occur anywhere else on earth. Do you really believe Jesus' promise? That he will be present with us when we gather together next Sunday. That we can come into his presence with thanksgiving. That we can come into his presence worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Expecting that the living Savior will be with us in all that we say and do. And so let us now gather not with a lackadaisical approach that reflects the attitude of our culture when it comes to worship, but rather let us gather with an attitude of reverence and with hearts filled with joy that is worthy of our Lord. Listen, we are to come together truly expecting to meet with God in His Son, Jesus Christ, through the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit. We should not come merely expecting to just see each other, although that is wonderful too. But we should come with the attitude of the Greeks who came to one of Jesus' disciples, Philip, and said in John twelve twenty one, Sir, we just wish to see Jesus. Oh, that that would be our attitude. That would be our anticipation as we gather together next Sunday. We just want to meet Jesus. We just want to be in his presence. We want to meet with him in a unique way. So the first reason we look forward to gathering again is to experience God's presence through the power of the Holy Spirit in a unique way. Number two, we gather to declare God's praise. You know, our daily life really should be a a hymn of praise to our Lord that culminates in our coming together to praise and worship the Lord on His day. 
And so let us come ready to declare God's praise like David in Psalm 22, verse 22, where he says, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. Let us come ready to acknowledge God's glory like Paul in Ephesians 3.21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And of course, if we have not praised and glorified the Lord with our lives while we are scattered during the week, then it would be understandable if we found praising the Lord less than a joy when we gather on Sunday. In fact, it should be no surprise to us that those who compartmentalize their lives into the secular and the sacred find gathering a lesser priority in their life and perhaps even boring to meet with God's people for praise and worship on the Lord's Day. But the Apostle Peter reminds us that, listen, we have been redeemed. And one of the reasons we've been redeemed is to declare God's praise in all of our lives. In 1 Peter 2, 9, where he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so there we see the coming out and the coming together. The church, listen, was redeemed to gather together. And when we gather, it is an act of corporate worship and it moves those gathered from simply being spectators to being active participants in declaring God's praise. When we acknowledge God's greatness, when we acknowledge His goodness and give Him honor through praise and worship, we are bringing glory to God as His people. God's glory is the essence of His nature, and He alone deserves to be praised and honored and worshipped. As John tells us in Revelation 4.11, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And so the second reason we look forward to gathering again is to declare God's praise and to do so in corporate worship. Number three, we gather to hear God's word preached. You know, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And then later on in the same book of Romans, you you go over to Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 and he tells us, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, this has practical and relevant implications not just for unbelievers but also for us as believers. Listen, I believe with, with full confidence that, that the preaching of God's word is not only used by God to bring the lost to saving faith in Jesus Christ, but it's a vital tool in preparing God's people 
for the race that they must run and the spiritual battle they must fight in this world. And so through the preaching of God's word, we are renewed as God's people. We are recharged in our souls. We are now ready to take our faith out into the world and incorporate it into our daily living. In fact, this is one reason why we are even warned in Hebrews 2.1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And so understand, our faith is actually fueled by hearing God's word preached each and every Lord's day. And I believe hearing God's word preached from your own pastor or your own shepherd is unique to every other encounter in which we hear God's word proclaimed. Listen, it's, it's one thing to hear your favorite pastor or preacher or speaker expound God's word to his own church or to some random conference crowd that he may be speaking in. But it's an entirely different experience to sit in person and hear God's word preached and applied directly to you from your pastor, from your shepherd, the one who knows your doubts and your struggles and your ups and downs and knows your soul, in other words. While modern technology provides many benefits, and it certainly does, Brian Croft writes this, and I quote, There is, however, a more subtle snare lurking in this world of immediate access to information that affects Christians in a unique way. He writes, The temptation of allowing online sermons to displace one's commitment to hearing God's word preached in person alongside fellow covenant members at the place and time where they'll their local church gathers. Don't misunderstand, he says. Listening to sermons online is generally a good thing. I agree with that. But when it takes the place of gathering with God's people to hear God's word in person from the appointed shepherd of your soul, much of what God intended for our growth as followers of Jesus gets lost, he says. You say, what gets lost? Well, one of the things that gets lost is this, corporate accountability. From hearing God's word preached alongside other Christ followers in a local church gathering. Listen, when the church gathers, the Holy Spirit works in unique and powerful ways that are simply missing in private gatherings or in, quote, private worship. When a congregation collectively sits under the preaching of God's word, a level of accountability is established and even nourished among the hearers to urge each other to go and apply that sermon. A greater obligation to do something with God's word and to rely on one another for help and strength to obey it exists in this kind of community life that is simply not present when we listen in isolation. In other words, if we're honest, I think we would have to agree that 
we are most inclined to listen and engage with and apply the preaching of God's Word by being present where it is preached alongside others who have also come for the express purpose of hearing God's Word proclaimed. No wonder Paul then admonishes pastors like myself in 2 Timothy 4.12, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience in teaching. Listen, there, again, there is much about modern technology that can be redeemed for God's purposes and for God's glory. But what technology cannot do is replace God's design for us to grow spiritually and to receive care for our souls through the preaching of His Word with the church gathered. God has powerful and unique purposes for every Christian in a local church. And so many of those purposes are are fueled when a group of God's redeemed people covenant together to gather with one another weekly to hear God through the preaching of His Word. And so that is another reason why we look forward to gathering next Sunday to hear God's Word preach. The last reason we look forward to gathering again is we gather to encourage God's people. Listen, we have enough discouragement in the world around us. There's no doubt about that. Sometimes the best thing you can do is simply turn off the news. Don't look at Facebook. Don't watch the news. Listen to the news. Turn off it all. And so let us come together to exhort one another, to encourage one another in our faith and in the work of the Lord. And surely this principle underlies then what is written in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, where the writer says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope and to do so without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And then let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Matt Merker, he writes, Just as the sight of his bride makes a groom's heart swell with love, Church members should overflow with affection for one another when they behold the church gathered. This is the people whom Jesus bought with his own blood. This is the people who have committed to care for me, put up with my faults, and point me to Christ again and again, he writes. And so when we gather together as a church family, listen, let us do so in the spirit of 1 Thessalonians 5.11 where Paul says, therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. And again, this is not to say, please listen to me, this is not to say that online services should never, never, never be a temporary alternative for those who are unable to to gather in person. Listen, I understand that some people, and especially uh, our senior adults, 
are simply more vulnerable to health complications should they uh, become infected specifically with the coronavirus. But there are all kinds of viruses, and so that would be true for other viruses, influenza, during that season of time. And so for this reason, we will continue to provide online services for those who are simply unable to gather in person at this time. But at the same time, I do want to make clear that online services should never become a replacement for those who are simply unwilling to gather in person, which is way different than unable. As Jay Kim writes in his book, The Analog Church, Why We Need Real People, Real Places, and Things in the Digital Age. And I quote, An online church is more a product to be consumed than it is a people to be joined. Community isn't about getting a product out there, but about gathering people where they are. At their best, social media and other digital spaces can be wonderful initiating spaces that may lead to true human connection, but they can never become home for those connections. And here's why he says, they'll always fall short and leave us wanting. And then he gives this example. When I FaceTime with my wife and kids on trips away, I'm grateful for the pseudo-connection, but what I want most is to get home, to hug, and to hold my loved ones in my actual arms. That's digital at its best. That is increasing our appetite for the real thing. As one Brazilian pastor serving in a very hard-hit place in Italy hit hard hit by the coronavirus, that is, Rene Bruel says this, a video stream and text messages are no substitute for embodied life. In other words, online services as a permanent replacement for gathering together on site with God's people, it would be disastrous for our overall spiritual health as Christ followers. Therefore, Gathering in person as a church, it remains essential to our faith as Christ followers and essential as our mission at LifeBridge. And I hope that the command that we find here in Hebrews 10 that we not neglect to gather together will simply lead to an increased involvement, an increased commitment to the church gathered. Why? Because there's something about the gathering of believers coming together for corporate worship that is simply irreplaceable. And so my prayer is that we as LifeBridge community, that we, we will realize that one of the core gifts that we've been given, one of the core gifts that we have as believers in Christ is to encourage other people with our very presence. Listen, your presence is an encouragement to the rest of the body. When we sing together and when we hear each other's voices, we are reinforcing each other's faith. 
We are pointing each other to God. And so horizontally, we are side by side, worshiping together. And that's vital, not only for ourselves, but listen to me, that is vital for others as well. Because we don't just go to church looking for what we can get from it, looking what we can get from others, but what we can give to others. What we give to the corporate assembly. And so I hope you're beginning to get the picture here of why we gather as a church and why we are looking forward to gathering as a church even next Sunday. I'll summarize it this way. Treasuring the gathering of our church actually strengthens our corporate worship as a church. And so the better that we all understand the significance, the importance, the mandate, the priority of the church's gathering, the sweeter and deeper our corporate worship will be. Let me throw out a question to you. What do you treasure in this life? Now, I know that's a loaded question because... There are many things that we treasure in life. And perhaps this pandemic and the stay-at-home orders has revealed to you some of the things that you treasure in life. I know it has for me. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I I treasure going out to eat, even if it's Taco Bell and Chick-fil-A. I wasn't able to do that for three months. I treasure that. Uh, Maybe this pandemic and stay-at-home orders has revealed to you that After all, you really do treasure working at a job that is not permanently at home. You know what? I like being able to go to the office or the warehouse or wherever. That's kind of nice after all. Maybe it's even revealed that you treasure a physical school building to send your kids to and teachers who will teach them. And you're like, yay! We are being revealed and it's being shown that we treasure some of these things. You know, but sometimes a season of loss is what reveals more about what we treasure than a season of plenty. And so I pray that our season of loss of not being able to gather in person has simply increased your love for gathering in person. And so may these last three months show us how essential it is that we treasure the gathering of God's people. Listen, for the treasuring, the gathering of our church, it strengthens the corporate worship of our church. Treasuring the gathering, it reminds us that God delights to pour out His presence among His people. There's a simple reason why meeting with God's people brings us such joy. In fact, according to the Puritan pastor, David Clarkson, it's because God blesses his gathered people with his spirit. He goes on to write, listen to this. The Lord engages himself to let forth, as it were, a stream of his comfortable, quickening presence to every particular person that fears him. But when Many of these particulars, that is people, join together to worship God, then these several streams are now united and meet in one. 
so that the presence of God, which enjoyed in private, that is certainly true, but it is now a stream in which becomes a public river. A river that makes glad the city of God. Wow. Treasure the gathering of God's people. I hope that's what you treasure. I hope that these last three months have created with you a thirst and a craving and a desire that you can't wait to regather with God's people again. It's what you were redeemed for. You were redeemed by the grace of God to be a gathering for the glory of God. And so what will our regathering now look like beginning next Sunday, and at least for the next few weeks until these uh, emergency orders begin to change from our city mayor, Mayor Lucas. Well, I want to end by just giving you sort of an overview of our regathering next Sunday. And, of course, it begins next Sunday, if we, as we've already mentioned, and hopefully you've already received uh, information in the mail about our regathering and uh, that has a detailed letter kind of explaining the whole phase one of our regathering along with a, a uh, frequently asked questions. Um, if you haven't received that in the mail yet, please feel free to call our church office on Tuesday. All of that information you receive in the mail is also available on our website, our church website, wearelifebridge.com. And so we're beginning next Sunday. June the 14th, with two different worship services. As I already said, one at 9.30 and then 11 a.m. And we are asking you to sign up for attending one of these two worship services. And you can sign up at our church website. If you don't have access to online, you can obviously call our LifeBridge office as well. And the reason we're asking you to sign up is to simply ensure that we as a church, that we can follow the emergency order our mayors put in place, that we can facilitate social distancing guidelines inside of our auditorium. And so that's why we're asking you to sign up. Only one person per household or per family needs to sign up. And when you do, you can actually indicate how many people in your household are going to be attending that particular worship service. And then in addition to that, what we're asking you to do when you sign up for a particular worship service, either 930 or 11, is that you commit to attending that same worship service at least for the initial first four Sundays, which would be through July 5th. After that, uh, our hope is that things will change up a little bit or maybe our services are dispersed evenly enough that maybe perhaps you can start changing from one service to the other and it doesn't impact our uh, social distancing guidelines that we need to uh, keep in place. Now, during phase one of our LifeBridge regathering, uh, a nursery will be provided. And if you'd like to take advantage of the nursery, uh, we are asking that you sign up your baby, your toddler, and you can do that at the same time, same place where you register or sign up for the service you're going to attend. But there will be no kids programs available during phase one of our regathering. Uh, however, I want you to know as your pastor, kids are always, always, always welcome in the auditorium for our worship service. In fact, we've made this part of our, our own um, church family process where about six to seven times a year, we intentionally, we want to bring in our kids into the worship service. So they are used to worshiping as a, at, with adults. They're used to worshiping with you as the parents. And, uh, and so this won't be anything new for most kids, but 
Uh, I want you to know we understand they can be a little noisy, they can be a little fidgety, and that's quite all right. I, I can preach right over it. It's no problem at all. And so if you're worried about having the kids sit with you, man, give it a try. I would encourage you, parents, one thing it does, it actually models for your children what it means to sit and worship our Lord and to do so corporately. And so it's a great opportunity during phase one in which kids can be a part of our worship service. And, uh, and so our goal during this phase one is really we want to try to create, if I can use this term, a touchless worship environment uh, by trying as much as possible to remove some of the physical touch points from entry to exit of the, of the auditorium in order to mitigate uh, any kind of contamination, while at the same time understanding that some levels of risk will always be present. That's just the world we live in. And we, uh, we live with risk, we assume those risks, and now we are introduced to another risk in our lives called COVID-19. And, uh, and so we may, all, we, who knows how long we're going to be living with that risk. And so, but we want to do our part as a church to try to mitigate that at least as much as possible during phase one uh, by creating a touchless worship environment. Uh, I also want to go through, just kind of highlight some of the personal guidelines that we are asking each attendee to abide by. In fact, we are expecting you to do so. Uh, because it's, it's a way that we can honor one another and then honor our government and what the mayor of Kansas City, Mayor Lucas, has stipulated with our emergency orders. And so first and foremost is, man, please maintain, please practice social distancing. I'm sure you are tired of that term. I am. Uh, I can't wait for that to go away sometime, hopefully sooner than later. But right now, that is what we are under and that's what we need to facilitate and abide by, uh, by the emergency order of Kansas City. And so when you're uh, here in our church property, when you're especially in our auditorium, please maintain social distancing of six feet, obviously between other households. Man, hug on your kids, hug on your spouse uh, that's in your immediate family, but no contact between other households. That means no handshaking, no hugging, no touching. Maintain your distance. And do so out of respect for other people. And I know that's going to be hard for our church because we are a loving, hugging church. In fact, it's the social distancing is really the antithesis of Christian community. And so it goes against the very fiber of what we are as Christ followers. And we're created for this need for touch. And yet in this temporary season... This is what we need to abide by. And uh, also we're asking households to sit together in the auditorium when you come for your worship service. And yes, this means teenagers, we're asking you to sit with your parents. And so that means there should be no, quote, youth section over there uh, in front of the instruments. And so households need to sit together, obviously separated, six feet apart. And, And listen... I don't expect each person to bring a tape measure, measure the pew of six feet. Just use your best judgment and we'll be okay. Uh, And then one last thing that we're asking is at the end of the service, we're asking you to remain seated in your seat until you are dismissed by sections. And once we dismiss you by sections, we are also asking you to then 
exit the auditorium. That is, don't stand in the aisles, don't stand in the back and congregate and talk. Uh, we want you to talk with one another, but please do so outside of the auditorium. You're welcome to stand in the grass and everywhere else, except I would ask, you know, keep the sidewalk to the parking lot free. That way people who are exiting, if those, you know, they can use the sidewalk and maintain social distancing when they need to go to their cars. And so if you want to hang around for a few minutes and talk to somebody, feel free, free to use the, the front yard, the grass out there, and stand and congregate with one another and, uh, and, and do, do so. Uh, you'll find other precautionary measures that our church is taking along with personal guidelines and frequently asked questions available on our website. And so if you're interested in that, go to our website, wearelifebridge.com. You can check it out. And so as we get ready to gather next Sunday, listen, I hope and my prayer is that you will treasure the gathering of our church. Remember, we are gathered by the grace of God to be a gathering for the glory of God. And in the spirit of the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, this is my heart for our church. I hope it's your heart for one another where he writes, May we endeavor the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. And I look forward to that day next Sunday, June 14th at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for calling us out of our sin. Thank you for calling us out of darkness and into light. And the light of your Son. And granting us saving faith to believe in Him. And Lord, you have called us out. And you have called us now as the redeemed to gather together. And so Lord, I pray that as we do just that as a local body here at LifeBridge, that we will treasure that gathering. Because we understand a little bit better now that when we come together, it's for you, it's for the glory of God. And so, Lord, take these truths and let them sink deep into our hearts. And prepare us even now and tomorrow and Tuesday and the coming days leading up to Sunday. Prepare our hearts and make us ready to meet with you and to hear from you in a mighty way next Sunday. We pray these things in your name. Amen. You know, you guys have done a beautiful job, wonderful job as a church family, and just your faithfulness in giving uh, throughout this uh, time. We have not been able to gather in person. And again, I just want to say thank you, thank you so much for your regular, consistent giving. And, and really, it's been through online giving. And, there, and obviously, some continue to mail in their, their gift, and we appreciate that as well. One thing I will say is when we gather next Sunday, we will not be passing the offering plates down the pew from person to person. We will have an offering box available. And so if you want to give in person, you're still welcome to do so. Uh, but obviously, we encourage you to give online. It's safe and secure. It's easy. And, and there's a way you can set it up to do recurring giving, and it just makes it really easy on your behalf. And so let me encourage you to kind of check that out. And, and again, I can't say enough thank you. Art. Our church, we, we're, we are doing well financially. Within, we are right in line with our budget that uh, God led us to set this last January. And so by God's goodness and grace and really your generosity, we, we are right on budget. And we have not dipped at all 
in our finances, and I'm just so thankful for that. Uh, but maybe you're watching and you're in need. You're in need of some food assistance or maybe even some financial assistance, whatever the reason may be. Listen, we're here for you. We want to help you. We want to serve you. And, uh, and we have gift cards available. We have a benevolence ministry that's funded to, to help you with utility bills or whatever might be the case. And so if that's you and let us help you, you can let us know by reaching out to our church office or emailing us or contacting me directly or our church, whatever the case may be. Well, I want you to know we're here for you. And so until next Sunday when we gather together, I just want to say one more time, stay strong in the Lord. God bless.